Welcome to the Cosmic Brew Show! Yeah, what is up, brother Cos? I'm living, living in this world. Living in this fine world where one can watch as many NBA basketball games as his young heart can take. That we can, and uh, we can even watch basketball players in Europe, even though we sent... You know, this rare, great point out of Charles Barkley last night was, why in the hell do we send the Knicks and the Wizards over to Europe if we want to grow the sport if you're the NBA? And <laughs> and they do it with football, too. And he said, because I had funny, I don't even know who's... Is it the Super Bowl yet, Cos? Is it, or, Super Bowl? Oh, no, it's the and it's the championship, uh, the conference championships this week. I figured I couldn't be that out of the loop to not know that, but I don't know the teams. But anyway, he says, like, why do we keep sending the Jacksonville Jaguars over there? And I was like, damn, you know, that's all I know about that Europe game in, in the NFL is they keep sending the damn Jaguars over there. And yeah, they- the Jaguars have been quite a few times. I think they – yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. They – it's not. I understand the Knicks because they're a brand. I mean, it's terrible basketball, but it's at least a brand that maybe people will be familiar with over there. But I mean, you could send somebody besides the Wizards. I mean, they haven't been relevant in forty years. So, or you could um, send like LeBron and Giannis and KD and the Warriors. Like, well, I think, but I think that those teams also. I, the thing about the Wizards, too, is they don't get a packed house. I think that that might have something to do with it as well. It's like, well, they're not going to make any money here. Like the Warriors and the Lake and LeBron, they're going to sell out everywhere they go. So maybe they want to keep that revenue, you know, for the teams, you know, as opposed to the Wizards who are going to have 15 people in the crowd anyway. So you might as well send them over to London. <laughs> the old short-term gain for the long-term loss. I love it. Right. And, and, and nothing like us to just go spinning right into a topic. Uh, we actually have some great topics here on this here Cause and Brew show. First, I'll mention our sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Thank you so much this morning. You were helping me out tremendously. Um, we, we're we're going to talk about the uh, the Warriors, right? We're going to talk about whether or not we should all be afraid. Uh, we're going to talk about some Kyrie Irving. Really interesting stuff with Kyrie Irving. When you when you sent this topic over, I, at first I was like, because I don't you know I don't even think about the Boston Celtics in in fantasy coverage very much. They're just a boring, not great fantasy basketball team. And um, then I got to thinking about the Kyrie stuff that's popped up. Uh, lately with leadership and and it's really interesting and uh also charles had a decent take on that last night that's two for charles man uh, the one that one that i don't listen to them at all <laughs> he apparently comes with the uh with some it, wisdom they, they were actually pretty funny last night and they're funny on most nights i i don't they're funny on most nights that's uh, not yeah funny yes <laughs> funny insightful entertaining on most nights um sometimes they can just not know a thing about a, a thing going on in the world of hoops but uh yeah, no, they were pretty funny last night. Um, they, they were showed. Did you catch? This is classic. Did you catch the Michael Beasley stuff last night? No, I, I, I was watching that game a little, but I guess I wasn't watching it close enough. <laughs> oh, dude. So this is the ultimate Michael Beasley. We were spinning out of control in the first three minutes of the show. So dude went into the game wearing his practice shorts. <laughs> So he busts off the warm-ups, and he's wearing these, like, black Lakers shorts. 
my god michael no no did they did did they immediately escort him to go pee in a cup right there on the spot i don't i mean it would have been it's only because he's had that history you know Uh like come on you of all people can't do that Anybody else in the league can do that and everyone will chuckle it off. Michael Beasley, absolutely, under no circumstance, can, can do that. He's, He's been going through a lot on the personal side, you know, with his mom passing and everything. Like, it's been rough for him, so I hate to, to bring it up. But it was still pretty funny. Like, he, he as he pulled his warm-ups off... He looked down. Somebody, I think, even shouted, hey, your pants. And he, like, had that look of, like, you know, your dog, like, goes into the garbage. And they don't want to go into the garbage because you've told them not to go to the garbage. But they got that look of, like, oh, I did it again. And he looked, like, oh, I did it again. And just sort of, like, ran to the locker room. And uh, great fun there. But they were... Show Luke's face. Like, what was Luke's face like when when that happened? You know, Luke's face looked a lot like the entire game. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, the Lakers are are really interesting because there seems to be an inertia there that that to try to get him out of there. Um, and there does, and um, I think it's unfortunate. I'm not um, I'm not a fan of it, and uh, I and we'll get into it later with one of the. We'll get into that. They're one of the. Yeah, we'll throw we'll throw that in as like two B or something. But yeah, it, it's just a strange, interesting time. But I'm sure Luke Walton, as he's getting just bombarded from different angles about whether or not he should be the coach, just seeing between that and the Lonzo Ball um, foul last night, where he, he fouled Russell Westbrook on the ground down three. Um, they called it on. They, they basically gave uh, Westbrook three free throws, and the guy made all three and you know that was that um sending it to overtime i will will say that i felt was a bad stretch of coaching that last three minutes from luke and i and i and i don't understand why it doesn't seem like coaches are making situational defensive substitutions anymore he's been yeah he's been getting killed for that he's been getting killed because i just why Lonzo Ball was on the floor it, it, for stretches when when they clearly could have got you know KCP in or something like that. But that that also will tie into one of our later topics. So um, I don't want to give too much. But anyway, well let's let's do this professionally and let's get right into our topics here. We have the uh, the Warriors. Um, they go to Denver and they they talk up the Nuggets before the game, which is a classic championship team move is to just oh look at this team leading the league at in the halfway point they're so good and look at what they're doing oh and let's drop a 30 burger win on you uh, on your home floor and uh let you know who we are um so An emphatic one i mean for for anybody that didn't uh watch i mean that thing was over at the tip and, you know <laughs> and what they do so well i think is they have that that playground cachet where if there's bad blood on a basketball court and playground ball and you win Mm -hmm. the amount of flexing and the amount of like fight initiating trash talk that occurs is you know that's that's that feeling you get when there's a lot of bad blood and you win it's like yeah i'm gonna let you know about it and they the warriors they let everybody know about it they let the fans in the front row know about it and it's 
I'm sure Michael Malone probably like lost a few marbles on the way home in that one. Um, not that it's surprising, and I bet he probably there's elements that he wasn't, you know, he he knows they're the Warriors. I don't think he's you know dumb to that. But um, that's just like a it's a it's not emasculated, but it's like a just a gut punch type of a loss that they. Uh, it was a little bit emasculating. A little bit. <laughs> That was a little bit of masculine. A little bit, yeah. That's why I was going for that word. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Trying to be nice in 2019, Kaz. And I don't know that it was... I mean, I don't think it was emasculating for him, per se, but I think that, um, you know, we've talked on this show quite a bit about how we think that they in a seven-game series that they, they should be able to... Uh, give them a run for their money. And, um, you know, they just, I mean, they just laid down. I mean, there really was <laughs> no pushback. There was no, um, they seemed confused. They seemed scared. Nobody really wanted to shoot it. It was, it kind of looked like a, you know, I, I've coached a lot of high school ball and it just looked like a team that, um, a really good team that wanted to be done with their work early and came out really physical and intense. And then like, they jump on them, and then the bad team is like, uh, "I don't want to shoot it. You shoot it. Uh, I don't want to do it." You know, and it, and it was just a really poor performance. They have a weird balance issue on offense that gets masked by the greatness of Nikola Jokic. And what it to me, like, if you're gonna have your distributor be your center, you know, that's to me that screams spray the ball around, which is what Nikola Jokic does. And if you're not getting the ball in um, you know, a lot of pick and roll as a guard, or you're not, you know, getting, if you're a spot up shooter, if you're not getting that off of a pick and roll, you're getting it more out of a center operating around the elbows and stuff like that. You might not get shots very consistently. And, you know, Jamal Murray last year shot about 45, 44, 45% from the field. He's down at 42 this year. And it's, um, it, it, to me, I wonder if there's a little like uh, hidden cost uh, of doing business the way that they're doing business. And maybe that inconsistency is what you're seeing guys not wanting to shoot. I don't know. Um, what I do that, know that that's, I'm sorry that, that, that I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, but I, that wasn't, I don't think the case that night. That was, that seemed like a bunch of guys that weren't ready for prime time. Well, it's it's completely possible. I mean, I, sometimes I watch Jamal Murray and I think this guy's like, you know, a version of a kind of Steph Curry-like player that, you know, could have that kind of cachet with, with shot making. And then sometimes I'm like, I can't even see him on the floor. You know, it, he's just invisible to me. And uh, they've had a lot of injury sort of um, turnover. So you're getting guys like Malik Beasley's playing well and also getting a ton of minutes and shots right now. You didn't think that would happen at the beginning of the year. Uh, Gary Harris has been out the last week and a half, well, really effectively, like the last month. And uh, so a lot of turnover there. Um, Will Barton came back in that game, didn't play much. So that was a little wobbly. Um, I don't know if I want to give the Nuggets, especially after this game. I mean, prior to this game, I probably feel pretty close to this. I don't know if I want to give them a ton of a chance against the Warriors, like anything more than like a 20 to one, you know, type deal. Um, but they did have that puncher's chance. I thought 
that, you know, if the, the Warriors started imploding, you know, this is a team with a lot of depth that, um, you know, good depth, I would call it, for, for the playoffs that might be able to get hot and, and, and do something, you know, unheard of. Um, but that said, you know, they get punched in the gut at home like this without DeMarcus Cousins in the lineup. And, you know, it kind of takes that bet off the board for me. If I wanted to put a bit of money on a Denver Nuggets upset, I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't know that I see it. Um, I mean, we'll have to talk about the Cousins thing here in a second. But uh, as far as the, the Nuggets go, um, what else did you think, you know, about those guys? Are, are, are they off the board for you too? I just didn't. Uh, well, I, I felt that, you know, they had a chance to extend this series – uh, and they still might. I mean, I'll, I'll crank it up to a bad night as well. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I don't know that I moved so far off um, like the Warriors in six, maybe in five. I just thought that for a team playing as well as them, they just were not, they, they, they could not. And the reason that I, well, I feel strongly about the Warriors is that they were absolutely petrified of the moment you know uh Jokovic I mean he's gotta he's gotta he's gotta make an impact on that game he's gotta score he's gotta make the Warriors run around they weren't they just did not show up Jamal Murray um he was aggressive at times but not when he not when it was necessary you know um they just they just weren't ready and you know maybe some of that you know swagger you know, Gary Harris being out is a huge deal. Uh, maybe some of that kind of playoff swagger comes with Isaiah Thomas if and when he, he returns. Um, but they just were clearly not ready. And, they, you know, most of these guys haven't been in the playoffs. This was a early season playoff game. This was the Warriors saying, you know what, they don't really think they could beat us. We are going to pound it into their head right now that they can't beat us. And so down the road, that's money in the bank for us. Anytime we go on a 10 on run, uh-oh, uh-oh, they're going to kill us. That's, that's what that was about. The Warriors know how to win championships. And they know how to do their work early in the season when they so choose. Yeah, they, they, I love that win. I love, I love when teams rise to that, ne- that next level of, you know, really understanding the mental game. Because a lot of teams could, you know, and I think the line was, I think Denver might have been favored in this game. I didn't catch it, but... I think I did see something about that. And they may, have, they may I, have been. I get it. Like, you don't know if the Warriors are going to care. You know, that's the, the – you never know with the championship teams of, of this ilk if they're going to just not care. You know, they could go 0-3 in their first three games against a team and then, you know, start to crank it up in April or something. You just never know. But yeah, this game, like, this is this this is worth, like, three you know, it's worth it's worth actually more than three. It's it's wiping away any chance that they, you know, can can do something to you in the playoffs. Um, you know, of course, Denver is going to bounce back, especially with Michael Malone there, and they'll um, you know get Gary Harris back and and make a better run at it, keep it a lot closer, you know, in in the next one. But just having that, like they knew that if they could just go out there and, and just crush them, that it would have extra value. So I really like that win. Um, the, the Warriors side of this, you know, this question that you asked in, in pregame of have the Warriors woke up, 
it really comes down to a lot for me of uh, the the intangibles or the you know the the camaraderie and the chemistry of this group. Are they getting through that stuff? And I don't know that I have the answer to that. I, I think that it's helped that Draymond Green has been on the floor more. Um, you know, it seems like he's getting a little healthier. Uh, it seems like. You know, hitting a couple big shots has has been good for him, um, but just maybe the act of being on the floor, so he and Kevin Durant can play together, and playing basketball can can smooth over all sorts of stuff. In fact, the world just needs to play a big basketball game together. Like you can get through some serious stuff. Like I'm sure me and you have been in a fight, and then we've played basketball, and then like. Yeah. You know, it's like, what were we fighting about? I can't even remember. We just beat those guys. This is great. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, is that is that in play? Because I mean, they're obviously playing better. This is probably the best that they've been um, culture-wise. You know, in the locker room right now, this is probably the best they've been all year. To me, that's the only measurement, right? Yeah, and I and I don't know that that win in itself cured their ills. You know, I think that um, I think that they are champions, and they know that mental game. So, regardless of just personal pride, took over. I think in that game, and they and they just put it on them. The stretch in and of itself, you know, being that it came after that very tough Houston loss, I think that says more. Like, I don't know if they met or if they all just had you know come to Jesus moments or if. Kerr talked about something, but I think that kind of a, that loss, and now you look, they've won six in a row, um, and they've got some, you know, they've got to think of, well, I guess the Clippers, the Clippers coming up uh, tonight, and then you have, um, you know, Lakers without LeBron Washington, but Boston and Indiana to um, finish that road game, that road trip. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if, if this if it if it was. And and part of it, I think maybe I don't know if it's because Cousins is coming back. Maybe they wanted to kind of get the ship right, so it's an easier transition. Because if all the nonsense that had been going on, you know, is still going on to that extent, when Cousins walks through the door, that kind of seems like a rep- recipe for disaster. So it feels like they're kind of you know kind of cleaning the house a little bit. For it's, their uh, for the guests, it's you funny know? how you know there was a lot of um, not a lot, but a, I want to say Anthony Slater of the Athletic, who's got a real good beat on the team, um, and maybe even uh, Tim Kawakami. Were I think Anthony said that straight out, but there's been the undertones that yeah, they're getting ready for this, and it's it's funny how that can actually you know the, the weirdest things can bring a team together. I mean, yeah. there's probably a lot of stuff that we just never hear about that brings a team together, just stuff that happens to them on the road, you know. Um, Oh, and that was the other funny thing about the show last night. Speaking of the road, you know, what I was thinking of is teams going out on the road and then maybe they land in Atlanta, they go to a strip club and everybody has a good time and, you know, that brings them all together. But yeah. I was, uh, they, were, they had this uh, this little aside during last night's show where uh, they totally outed Kenny for going to the strip clubs. <laughs> uh, and they all had this moment where it was so funny they couldn't say anything and then like even Ernie's just like chuckling and uh, Kenny just had his hand or his head in his hands like oh I'm so in trouble when I get home <laughs> so like going, to the strip, like going to the clubs like now or back in the day I don't know I think the implication was now and it yeah, was, was 
him to be to, for him to be like scared about it. I mean, you know, I, I would think his wife knows, knows that back in his playing career, he might have gone to a strip club or two. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the team together, come on. <laughs> <laughs> when, do you remember that when, uh, like, very early, like, before um, the Lakers started winning championships with Kobe and Shaq, like, Magic Johnson actually told that to Kobe in a meeting when they were having problems. He was like, well, one thing you, you know, thing you should do to help get the, you know, to be a part of the team is you got to go out to the strip clubs with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great advice, right? <laughs> oh, hopefully the wives aren't listening to this one, but, you know. <laughs> That's it's it's a pretty you know when you go out on the road you do that stuff. I remember when we would go on on trips for you know baseball basketball whatever. You know those trips mm-hmm. really built a lot of um, you know camaraderie. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know as far as the but the 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 thing with Demarcus getting them back into this like you know snapping back into shape. Okay, we can't be such you know a bleep <laughs> show. Demarcus is coming. <laughs> You know, like getting ready for that guy has maybe pulled them together, and um, you know now he's going to play tonight. And oh, he is okay. Yeah, Ooh. and there is a lot of you know, but a lot of think pieces, a lot of articles are what are the Warriors going to do? And I, to me, this is one of the most. I'm I'm pumped for this. I want to see what happens when the the immovable object meets the whatever force. Um, you know, Stat Boy can can tell me how that that saying goes uh, because. DeMarcus was refused his whole career now, except for like his first year, to play through the post. And I just have this really hard time seeing a team go, okay, well, you got Katie, Clay, Steph, you know, all sorts of perimeter ball players, you know, that, that they're going to let DeMarcus operate in that space. Um, yeah. But it's the NBA. You know, coaches have a really hard time telling players what to do. Uh, what, yeah, I, what, where, what, what would you put your money on? I would think that at least early he's going to get down there because one, he's going to be pretty out of shape. So I think in order to like tonight's going to be interesting because you know they've got Harold in there. You know he's going to be in there at times. And you know Harold's just going to sprint if he sees the Marcus Cousins coming to the game. Harold's just going to turn into a track t- track meet and just sprint down this. Love down that guy. The, Love that guy. He's just going to be sprinting all over the place. So for De- DeMarcus is going to have to, to kind of, for lack of a better term, take his legs out, he's going to have to pound him up a bit. Um, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to get, like, today. But just going forward, um, he's going to have to do that. And if he wants that big contract, like, on the Warriors, you're absolutely correct. With all those perimeter players, on the Warriors, he's just not going to look as good out there. So if, he, if, he's, if this whole thing is about get DeMarcus his big contract, the best way for him to do so is to show that he's the guy that's going to get you 25 points in his sleep um, on the block. Now, what, now, when you sign him next year, <laughs> whether he does that or not is a different story. But for him to get that contract, I think the easiest way for him to do that is to be on the block. So we'll, we'll see. What we've also seen is the the Warriors were staggering Steph and, and KD um and I, I am actually fine with that. Uh, and I'm actually fine with it, pretty much any configuration the Warriors run with because they got so many good players. But they've moved him back to to playing the same minutes, uh, the two of them, I, I should say. And so it does appear that they're going to go with what I think I probably would want to go with is you, you put DeMarcus on the second unit and you change the tenor of the team when he's on the floor, but you do keep him on the block and you let him get a lot of usage in those you know, 
20 minutes that he might end up ramping up toward. And if it goes mm-hmm. great, maybe you expand him. You know, maybe it is the super team of all super teams. Um, yeah. But we're going to get to see. I, I've always waited for DeMarcus Cousins to just play to his strengths and be a Shaq 3.0 to coin a Vivek Ranadive term. Um, he didn't come up with that, but he used the 3.0 part. Because um, he's that big. And I, there are very few players that can, I mean, credibly even come close to just like a little jump hook. I mean, just a tiny jump hook. I can't even imagine if he dislodges you, what chance do you have? You know, I'm trying to think of a defender in the league that can stop that. Maybe. Well, that's, and and that's, that's really the issue. Like the, the league has gone so small that it's, it's really, and I just, I just, it boggles my mind when I see, you know, you know, these guys that actually have game down there taking these long jumpers and threes when it's like, dude, like that guy is about that guy's six eleven, two ten, and you're shooting a three right now. Like it, it just, it's just mind boggling. So maybe, uh, maybe DeMarcus can, uh, at least for the rest of this year, kind of lead the charge of bringing the, the postman back. I hope so. Cause I mean, and you, you listen around the league, you talk with people, that are you know on the basketball side they they are they long for the era of post play they want post play but a lot of these players they just don't have it and so yeah. it's it's really kind of it's it's one of those chicken and the egg things where you know just very few players have a traditional post play um it it so in and it's, it's man you just to kind of bring it to Sacramento here like Marvin Bagley has Pretty good post play for for a rookie, um, but he has no right hand. But man, if he gets to his lefty jump hook, it's unstoppable. Like it's just he's just too too tall, too long, too springy, you know. And that's you know like there are a lot of guys that could just have that. You could have those two points. You could have that foul trouble. You could have that inside out play. You could get the defense turning their head. It's just such a treasure chest of goodness that you know you get a guy like I'll pick on Mo Bamba for a second. You know, Mo Bamba, pretty athletic guy, you know, seven feet tall, really long, you know, probably can't do that. You know, he, he's trying yeah, to, he's trying to shoot threes. And I, and I think, and we'll, we'll tie that, but I think it goes to even a greater problem. And, and as I've been watching uh, this year, not only, it's not just that guys can't post, it's guys really don't have any diversity in their scoring. Like, if you watch, like, it's basically a step back, step back three league. Like that seems to be the only move. And there's only about three or four guys that are actually good at it, but it seems to be the only move that a lot of uh, guys have. They're either shooting threes or they're freight training to the, to the hoop. And they, they are kind of developing. It seems like there is a little bit more um, kind of floater development with guys, strong hands, but it's getting kind of – I mean, I'm getting kind of bored with it. We'll, we'll talk about it later in the show because we have a topic that's going to take care of it. But um, I, I think that it's – there's – I think the analytics and the, the copycat nature of, you know, the NBA is doing something, so college is following and high school is following, has turned it into where guys just don't know how to score. You know, they, they, they're only – they're scoring at a high pace in the NBA right now because you can't touch them. <laughs> that's what it's, it's not that guys are so much uh better and creative at actually scoring is that they cannot be touched anywhere on the floor but 
Yeah, it's so, and, and I'm very intrigued by that topic. So let's spin over to the next topic where we got Kyrie Irving is um, doing Kyrie stuff, I would say. And when I first saw the Kyrie stuff hitting, I just kind of like cracked up, like just being uh, part of teams where leadership was not great. And, you know, like seeing somebody that maybe didn't deserve it going into a leadership role and telling everybody how they needed to do things. That was my first hit hearing some of this criticism from Kyrie Irving about the young players in Boston. And I don't, I'm not on the ground there. I don't know. You know, I've seen some Jalen Brown stuff where, you know, he, he looks like he might be a bit of a handful, but I don't know. You know, I, I, I think that these young guys made it to the, you know, the, the Eastern conference finals and they, you know, feel like they deserve a seat at the table um, how that's all playing out, you know, I, I just don't know. But I knew coming into this year that they were going to have problems with that no matter what, even if they were really, really good in, in the locker room. Uh, just too many like, – roster construction is such a – like, I don't know if it's a lost art or if GMs think that they should just stack their locker room full of players and let it all it's sort a, out. Yeah, I don't know if it's a law. I, I, I don't know how good anybody. I, I don't know how good teams have always been at it, but it's not very. It's not good right now. Say that much. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you look around the league. Even like you know, I've always been a big fan of what Pat Riley's done, and Miami is such a sinkhole right now. I mean, th- like every player in that locker room, it seems like just does not have it right now, and it's because they get twelve minutes a game. Um, but so we knew that going in that Boston had a, a bit of a log jam and, and not a good one. And um, so now Kyrie Irving has been calling out these young players. And so the balance of this whole thing really for me is, is where I start looking at trying to diagnose why is the Boston, why are the Boston Celtics, you know, why is Brad Stevens calling a timeout 30 seconds into the game all angry? Like that's uh you know, maybe that's Brad Stevens like, but it seems like they're a little bit on edge. So you got Kyrie out here. We'll do a full reset here. Kyrie has said um, that the young guys aren't getting it done to the press. And then he followed up with an apology to LeBron James, <laughs> which I didn't hear that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. yes. About- so he, he phoned up LeBron. Uh, this was yesterday. I believe he phoned up LeBron and apologized for being a handful when they were in Cleveland and then publicized it. Uh, That just, uh, that just reeks of, uh, that just reeks of kind of passive aggressive self-righteousness. Let me show you how I've changed because he's, since he's called out the young guys and he knows he's wrong, he's now backtracking and going, well, the reason I could do it is because I was a young guy who was a problem. It's like, okay, dude, like, okay. This isn't even like, this is, you know, first week of psychology class where you could see what the hell you're doing here. I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's kind of, quite frankly, I mean, we, I didn't, this isn't really the way that I thought this topic was going to go, but quite frankly, that's, it's just tacky. You know, it's, 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 it's tacky and it's like, well, and, and, and to be clear, and I didn't even say it, I've been a terrible host today because the, the topic was, would you max Kyrie Irving? And I didn't even bring that up. But that's the topic that we're supposed right. to be talking about. 
but like that that just is so like you think you're so smart that you can pull this kind of a stupid charade well, but, but but now look you're... at what his his look at his path though because i've seen lebron do this stuff and i've seen the media fawn over it and you know it's stupid like lebron does like a passive aggressive instagram post or something you know whatever name name your passive aggressive lebron thing or he said does something in the media or something just to like motivate his guys and i've always yeah. thought like that's not how you do it like yeah but and but there's all i mean that's that's true I, and i you know have often you know questioned his leadership ability as well like i i think there's a difference between being a great player and being a leader and then there's different types of leadership there's the guy that just you know there's kind of the the kobe i'm gonna drag you along i'm gonna give a hundred percent at every single second and you should follow what i do because i do that for you there's the guy that's gonna put his arm around you a little more be more of your your friend and mentor you know, and be selective of when he's going to um, get after you. But there's this wave of players who are just really good basketball players. And and I'm, and I'm not saying LeBron isn't one of those. He's just chosen to do these funky things as well. But there's this wave of players that literally just are just really good players. And they, and, and like you said about locker, about, you know, roster construction, there's, they've constructed the locker room to where the teams actually cannot function without this one guy. So, the, you know, the, the guy will be off the floor and they'll, the team will, you know, fall down 10 to 12 points. Then the guy will come back on and the announcer's like, oh, here they are looking to their leader, you know, to make something happen. Well, it's you, like it, he, he has to make something happen. There's nobody else on the team. It's funny, funny you mentioned that because, like, of course, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's like the Celtics may, may not be the greatest example of that because they were able to, to survive without Kyrie. But, like, uh-huh. you spin it to, like, Phoenix where Devin Booker has been that guy. Yeah. And there's been about a year of crazy Devin Booker stuff that I think he might be finally working his way out of just sort of watching them post trade post Trevor Ariza, which was hilarious. The veteran leadership he was supposed to provide never showed up. (laughs) And, but he, but like, because it's like, it's that self-fulfilling prophecy thing where like, if Devin Booker's not on the floor, they really, really suck. But when he's on the floor, he's doing all these terrible things. He's not making anybody better, but he's still, you know, the only way that they're in the game. So this, this young guy who, by the way, is having a really rough go of it on uh, like social media for his dating and um, pregnancy Uh habits. Um, but they, oh, no. oh so yeah, he, he's getting hard. He's getting hit hard right now. We'll, we'll have to talk about this off. off. I've, I've not, uh, I've been, I've been behind. I've not, I've, I've gone well, off. I, of I think it's, I don't even know why I bring it up. That's, I, it's like his own personal <laughs> thing, but it's, it yeah, is all, it's like you're a public figure. And then, you know, that stuff becomes a part of the conversation and it probably stressing him out a little bit, but, uh, sure. the, the long and the short of it is, is you know, he's a young guy that's getting a a big, big, big responsibility. The, the previous management, my God, basically made him the GM of the team. And so what, now he's talking. It's funny. He was like, he, he yells at his teammates. Like, you know, I remember him yelling at DeAndre Ayton. And it's like, how do you yell at a guy? 
and then you're going to go do something silly on the other end of the floor, you know? Right. And it, and that's the kind of leadership I, when you talk, you gave like the spectrum of leadership that, you know, I think really mature teams and, and, you know, healthy organizations that they show, but, um, there's this, uh, there's this thing in the league where I'm going to tell you how to be, I'm going to tell you how to play, but then I'm going to, you know, uncork a quadruple, you know, crossover dribble fadeaway three when I shouldn't have done it. And I turn around and yell at you to play defense. It's, you know, there's, it's incongruent and, and it happens a lot now. And so back to Kyrie, I kind of feel like that's what's going on here. You know, he, yeah. he's, he's not going to play defense. He's, right. you know, the, the shots thing is, you know, I I I kind of just think like the players that that really get it are the ones that yeah I can get you, I can score on you when I want, but I really want my teammates to go for fourteen, you know, right. like that is just gut that's gonna break you if you're the yeah. the opponent when when all five guys are confident, yeah, and so I don't yeah. think I would. I mean, the injury issue alone. For Kyrie the injuries alone, like you want to like look at this is this is Kyrie Irving previous to this year. I had to pull this up: 51, 59, 71, 75, 53, 72, 60. <laughs> he's giving you seventy-five games once, and he's only twenty-six years old. <laughs> like that alone has to give you pause, and particularly for the Boston Celtics. You're talking about he, Kyrie Irving is clearly not a guy that can play with other really capable players, you know. Like, but funny enough, Cleveland is perfect. the The take turn offense for him is perfect. That's what he's good at. You get the ball, I get the ball. You sit down, I get the ball. All the time you come back in, I we'll take turns again. I'll sit down, and you can go get yours. That's that is where he has flourished. Previous to LeBron James, they didn't even get a whiff of the playoffs when he was the man last year he goes down and and they were having a nice year don't get me wrong but you figure a guy that's a max player goes down and he's your only max guy you you think you wouldn't get all the way to the eastern conference championship and should have won it you know so you you know how this stuff goes you know sometimes teams organizations players they they can smell things you know they the, the the trade winds are you know in the air and they can pick up on on where this is all heading if you're the Celtics and you don't want to max this guy out why is he making such an imprint upon the franchise like that's mm-hmm. and you start to push against it a little bit you know and 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 maybe you know the young players are like yeah you could keep talking pops but you ain't going to be here in in a couple years and we are yeah. And and that's the the chem, the chemistry issue that you know this it's basketball man it's all chemistry in <laughs> in certain respects and so i mean yeah you know it sounds like the solution to this whole thing <laughs> it sounds great actually Kyrie and Kevin Durant in New York take turns offense you know they they got really a blank palette they can work with there, you know, just let these two gun, you know, for 48 minutes and surround them with, you know, good defensive players. You know, I, I, that's the only way I think this works out for them. And I mean, Boston, you can't, you can't do this if you're Boston, right? 
I would. I mean, I wouldn't. Seeing what you got last year with you know Jalen Brown, and um, I think as good as a scorer as Tatum is, uh, you know maybe it shouldn't have give, given Hayward the money. But Hayward's very comfortable as being a second or third option. He's very comfortable with that. So it's not you, you'd still you can still get Max Gordon Hayward. You know, considering his health continues to improve, you can still get Max Gordon Hayward. Him being the third option and being happy as a clam, you know. And if you want to make a, if you want to try and make some sort of trade, uh, Kyrie, you know, Kyrie Irving trade for a, another good player, you can do that. Or if you want to get assets again, you can. But I mean, just the, the the fear, the mere fact that he doesn't seem to be the best teammate, and he's never available. I don't, I don't see what the upside is. You know, the, the upside is. If you get into the playoffs, I mean, you, so you would need a guy and maybe Tatum becomes that guy who can just score on really good defense consistently. And I think they lacked that a little bit in the playoffs. But is, is, it, is the journey going to be worth it with this guy is the question. That was my question is do they need a star to put them over? Because you essentially remove him from the equation. Look at last year's team. You have this really tough Marcus Smart Scary Terry Rozier, one-two punch at point guard and, and, you know, to backfill some of those shooting guard minutes. And then you have Jalen Brown, you got Tatum, and, you know, you would have Hayward, and you would have Horford, and you got Baines, and it's all great, right? Right. Do that? It really does fall on Tatum or Jalen Brown to develop something of a go-to game, which I don't think is coming this year. And, 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 it's not, and, it's not no. coming this year, and, and this is kind of a problem with this is, when you have Kyrie Irving there and they're so logjammed, he's not able to develop this year. So on-court development, which people think so many bad things about, they don't have a, the slightest clue of what good on-court development is, but he's not able to flourish. He's going to have sort of like a half year here, you know, where he yeah. learns the hard way. And, it, and it's also a part of the, like, kind of instant gratification. Everybody expects their guy, which we touched on a little bit last week, everyone expects, like, these young guys to be so good so quickly. Like... Like, Scotty Pippen didn't come in the league scoring 20 points a game. But Actually, got to minutes. clarify, this is where you torched me last show on the Justin Jackson stuff. <laughs> but, but, but he, but, you but know. That's a great example come, of what you're saying, uh, by the way. <laughs> he came in as a workhorse. He, he got on the floor. He played D. He did. He was a smart basketball player, but you know he was able to develop his shot. He you know developed a little post game. Gain you you gain confidence. You know picking. It's almost like picking the athlete with some sort of sense of offensive know how. And I and I think that they have that in Jalen Brown, but he's not going to get any better if he goes. 10, 12 possessions in a row, never even touching the ball and watching two and just standing. The worst thing that he does on the offensive side is just stand in one place and shoot. Well, and, mean, that, and that's what the saying is your game. You, you, know? you, have to, you don't even have to look that far. You can just go 30 minutes back in our conversation, look at DeMarcus Cousins and what it's done to him to have bad on-court development, you know, color his game. And with Jalen Brown, he's, he's like, well, I don't know when I'm supposed to shoot or when I'm going to get to shoot. So I need to be aggressive so I can make an impact. And you know, he, he's not going to get into his optimal stuff. I, uh, but back to the other issue is the star thing. So Tatum really has to be that guy, right? Like to, to be able to get a bucket in isolation against a Kawhi Leonard like defender and, you know, be able to go toe to toe with the best, and and so that I guess is the argument that you know somebody that would be pro Kyrie Irving, pro keeping and maxing Kyrie Irving. 
What do you say to that? That that's that's the argument, and and it still might not be this year. But we're again we're talking a guy about a guy in his second year in <laughs> Tatum. Like we two years from now, he absolutely may be that guy. He may be the guy that you know he he might be that guy that in the last three minutes a game when you're up four. You just put him in the position is you got to stop this guy on 11 possessions. Do it. <laughs> you know, that's that's what that's what we're talking. You know, he he has the kind of skill. It's just can he match it with the confidence, the, you know, athletic ability, all those things. Can, can he do it? But he, he very well might be that guy. So if you're if you want to and I think possibly the ri- the you're taking a risk. OK, I'm going to get rid of I'm going to get rid of Kyrie. But the but you might already have that guy in Tatum, and you're going to be able to develop Brown the way you're supposed to. If you keep Kyrie, you have that guy, but he might not be available, and you know you're not going to develop Jalen Brown the way he's supposed to be developed. So that that's kind of the that's where that's where moving Kyrie or or allowing him to leave really becomes an attractive option because you already might have that guy in place. This sounds like a really prescient discussion that could come if, like, so they go through the playoffs and whatever happens, and that might determine a lot of which way this spins. But you yeah. might come back and listen to this episode, you know, in June and say, wow, I can't believe that this was um, talked about here in January. Because <laughs> um, I, I, to me, I feel like the, the writing could be on the wall that Danny Ainge might already have your positions and they just don't know what to do about it at this point in time, and they have to sort of play it out. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they got ahead of it at all, if they could get ahead of it at all, get something for Kyrie Irving, and um, really shake things up. That might be my move, but I'm a little crazy. I want to know about yeah. this. Uh, you, you asked me, why are there no more comeback runs in blowout games? And you had kind of alluded to it, you know, as far as, like, scoring um, – ability to score the, the diversity and the ability to score the ways you can score. Was that where you were heading with that? I, I no, I, that kind of, now that, that when we started talking, it was more just, I, I, I was thinking more of just kind of, um, I feel like there's a lack of professionalism because unless it's, unless like the worst, unless if you have the two teams, what I see this year, like when I used to watch basketball and I'm not talking about back in the eighties or nineties, I'm talking about a couple of years ago, a team gets up 20 points on another team, there was always a run to bring it back to eight, you know? And then they still might get blown out again because it took so much energy. It's not that the games end in blowouts. Is that when I'm watching these games, there's never a team gets up 25, gets up 30. There's never a run, it seems like, in a lot of these games to bring it to, to 15, to bring it to 12. And, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, why that is. And as we've been talking... It's, you know, one, I just feel like guys are just laying down. I, I feel like guys are absolutely just being unprofessional. We were talking about um, the Pistons uh, last week and, you know, teams that just absolutely are just thrown in the towel, you know, t- uh, 10 minutes in and not even not even remotely trying to put up a fight. And can I interject um, real quick? Because I think people will go, well, you know, they look like they're playing hard. Like you're being too harsh cause like, I think people might hear that stuff and think, Oh, they're professional athletes. They're giving it 90% at least. I, I think where you see it the most is in focus, like of what kind of shots yes. they want to take and the little yes. things on defense 
where you a lot of things on defense, you know, like letting somebody get to their strong hand when you know that's all they can do. Focus, and which comes back to focus and desire. I mean, you want to you want to win. You want to bring it back to eight so bad that you continue to take away the strong hand, which requires this level of, of presence that these guys are not willing to give because what what is the the rationale here for these players doing that well and 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 that's where you know you were talking about um you know roster we were talking about roster construction and and it's funny you brought up miami as being the sinkhole and everyone's getting this little bit of time and if you look across the country at the clippers they've built you know this team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot but it's full of, you know, scrappers. And they got the kid, the young kid who looks like he's a real player um, down the road. And But they've got these, you know, professional guys. But those two teams, Miami and, and the Clippers, have really put themselves in the good position for if they land a star. They already have the smart, hardworking, focused kind of role player guys that you need to win championships. Like, they, they didn't – they're actually – you know, doing it the reverse of what I think most teams in sports in general do, you know, and it's not, it's not by choice necessarily, but since the hand they've been dealt is now they don't have Chris Paul, they don't have uh, Blake Griffin. Well, okay, we'll just get a bunch of guys who really like to win and really play hard and we'll upset some teams. We'll beat all the teams we're supposed to. And then down the road, when we have that shot, we have great assets to make a trade or we have money in free agency. And now we don't have to worry about finding our Derek Fisher or our Iguodala. We have that guy. He's in the building right now. We have it. And it's so like we a, just, it's a reverse. It. It's, it's, it's really interesting because if you're right, if Miami was to th- uh, swing a deal at the trade deadline for a star somehow, maybe like yeah. a Jimmy Butler, like say they're winning now, it's probably, you know, they, they, had, they needed that thing to implode for Jimmy Butler to be available, I would think. You know, right. but, but if Miami wants to get a Jimmy Butler or, you know, somehow swing a deal for a star, you're right. They absolutely have it ready for them. And maybe that's why we look at Miami and go, what are they doing? You know, like right. they, they got 11 dudes that need minutes for whatever reason. They they're either got a big contract that they got to see if they can get something out of it or, you know, name the reason and 11 guys need minutes there. None of them are happy. Um, right. But that, that, the, the roster construction issue, it kind of like, it's funny, it goes back to Boston, it goes back um, to Detroit, where like, if your team, like, if you knew you, you're a player for Detroit, you knew that, that Blake Griffin was signed to this stupid deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's what, the only thing you can call it. It's so dumb. It was dumb <laughs> when it was given to him, and it was dumb when they traded for it. Did Jerry was like? I mean, I always say he's the greatest uh, you know, front office guy in the history of sports. I mean, is he that smart that he could give out that kind of money and know there's going to be a sucker? Like, <laughs> that's unbelievable. Well, it's kind of you know, it's funny. Like when you play in these competitive situations, like I play in these competitive fantasy leagues where everybody's five moves ahead, and we are like doing the counter to the counter to the counter to the counter to the counter, and sometimes that specific decision is so stupid <laughs> it's like but you gotta do it because everybody's so good you gotta make a you gotta take a chance somewhere maybe that's what jerry west was thinking maybe that's what the heat are doing here knowing that they gotta do it the way they gotta zig when everybody's zagging but like if you're detroit whoever name the player and you know that this franchise has no chance 
whatsoever of doing anything, you know, because of that contract. Washington, John Wall, you know, yeah. <laughs> like Jeez. it's like that dead animal stench, you know, you're like, that's never going to leave, you know, it's a, and so maybe there's something to, you know, we have access to a lot of information now. I mean, playing for a franchise, there should be a personal pride involved. Sure. And you're going to. Paycheck. But but I do like what the Clippers have done, and I, and I like what the Heat have always done. You you don't build a good team by <clears throat> getting a bunch of draft picks and then hoping that it all works out. I mean, Philly's experiment still has flaws. Um, right. It's still taking eight years now, you know, right. <laughs> to get to where we're at right now. Um, I've always thought if you're like the Kings are in my backyard, so I can really always kind of bring it back to them, and they're like. Right now, they have good players, you know, and that means you can sell that to other good players and get them to come or get stars maybe down the road to say, yeah, I don't mind being traded there, so let's make it happen. Right. Um, the Clippers are, are building that, you know, that, that foundation. So when they do get a star here, which I would think Ballmer, you know, Ballmer should be able to make this happen. Like, yeah. I, like just with the, the, the front office that they've sort of, they've moved Doc off of the front office, let Great Doc decision. do his thing, yeah. you know, on the coaching sidelines, they got a good value proposition. It's something you can sell. And I think right. with these teams that have these dead money situations, you, man, like, are you going to dive? You might, you know, hurt yourself for, you know, that team. And, and it just yeah. it pervades everything. I also think that the, the the diversity of scoring is a big deal. Like these three point attempt numbers. Yeah. Oh it, my god. It's um. I mean, it's like roulette in a way. If you're gonna hit, you know, half of them, you're gonna win, and if you're gonna hit a quarter of them, you're gonna lose by a lot. And yeah. you get a green light to shoot them. You know, your player. It's smart, smart shot. <laughs> it's. Yeah, but doesn't that doesn't that it just flies in the face of competitive organized athletics is what and and, it, and it, it's a huge part of why these teams can't make runs you know you got down all you all you know is that we're gonna shoot threes you get down because you're not hitting them you, you're down 25 points you come out in the first four minutes of the third quarter you take you know seven threes and two twos and you hit one three and now you're now you're down 35 points well, the back-breaking one is, is when you're 30... It's hard to get back up. It's, <laughs> you you're 30% shooter, right? Or you're 35% shooter on a low volume. Not like, you know, there's a 35% shooters out there. Like, I think, you know, maybe Kyrie was hitting 36% one year. You know, I yeah. think like Isaiah Thomas would hit like 36%. And But they're taking difficult lots of threes you know it's it's they're they're in the shot box right you know, all that stuff it's like, yeah it's yeah. your it's your small slash power forward or your big man you know hell marvin bagley was doing this when they the kings lost to the uh to the hornets last night it's like crunch time he's like i'm open but it's a good yeah. shot well why wouldn't i take it and then everybody sort of slumps their shoulders. Why? Why are we doing this? You know, we had other options, and so there you go. You know, it's. Um, yeah. I, I. I. don't. I didn't notice the lack of comeback runs. That's a good eye by you. Uh, we have a yeah, little time, I mean, real quick, before we we shut this down. Um, 
did you want to have a last word on your Lakers? Um, yeah, it's it's fishy. I don't like it. You know, I don't like um, I don't like the culture that uh, that Magic is uh, setting here, and I, he's he's certainly not patient enough to. Um, which is it's which is weird because I you know I'm, I'm they had an opportunity to kind of give the house you know it would have been they would have had to give the house but to get Kyrie not excuse me to get um, Kawhi Leonard in the door and they didn't do it instead you know they you know they put all their you know their eggs in the LeBron basket landed them and then are hoping that more will follow but. So he, they were patient in that, <laughs> but now they're impatient with uh, what Luke is doing. And and guys, I mean, they, they played good last night, but they they they're just laying down. Guys are like Ingram lays down whenever he feels like it. Um, they are they're just not giving any sort of effort, any sort of focus on the defensive end consistently. Um, they're they're allowing. You know, they're not shooting. And they have too many guys that can't shoot threes that are shooting way too many threes, you know. And Kuzma, I don't think, is a bad three-point shooter. But he's just – he's in a rut, and he's just shooting way too many. And he has some kind of diversity in scoring, and he's not doing it. But it, the whole thing just smells like Luke – Like, you know, at the end of the season. Or he's not LeBron's guy or whatever. But um, it, it, it just smells fishy. And uh, hopefully they won't. Hopefully they'll go the route of dignity and just be like, we just don't want Luke here, and not try to make up a bunch of stories about how he's not doing this and how he did, you know, how how he's this, and the guys aren't responding, and so he can not have a taint on him because it just because there's no real reason for it. I mean, you you cannot watch Lonzo Ball at the end of that game just wh- opening up like the the Red Sea. To um, let, let Russell Westbrook, Westbrook get layups. Now, luckily, he missed them. But and that and that was the only thing that I said. That, like Luke, that was a bad stretch of coaching. Like I thought he should have been off the floor well, in some of those. Yeah, he, he's getting nailed for that. He had Zubac out there when um, they were up by something. Uh, some I think eight or something, and the the Thunder had no uh, bigs on the floor, and it was all three point shooters. And you're expecting Zubac to defend the three point line. And I remember thinking when when certain Laker Twitter, you know, started calling that out, I remember thinking, that's not going to look good because there is really no reason to have Zubac trying to chase three-point shooters on the floor in that particular yeah. situation. Um, but that, that stuff could happen because you're searching as a coach. You know, you're maybe you're trying to get something out of Zubac because there's something going on. I've always thought that, JaVale McGee and Le- LeBron James don't see eye to eye for whatever reason. And, and I don't have any intel on that. I just, you know, when you, when you tr- like, they tried so hard to bring Tyson Chandler in and, you know, McGee was having a great season and now Chandler got promoted in the starting lineup and Chandler has been okay, but you know, I mean, he, he's not, he's not anything close to what he was. Well, yeah, he's not close to what he was. I think he's doing – he's actually doing better than I expected him to do. And they were so desperate for another big man because Mo Wagner wasn't anywhere near coming back. And, you know, Luke didn't really like – you know, for those of us that watched Zubac's rookie year and then what Luke did to him last year, you're kind of like, what's going on? 
so at least now he, he went and grabbed that tool and is using him a little bit. And in his defense, Zubac was having a really nice offensive game um, last night. So I can, I can maybe see, and maybe that's why he also didn't take ball off the floor. But these, these situational type of things, and, and no, he didn't have, he didn't have a, a lot of timeouts because, of course, he has to burn them early because guys just aren't trying, um, that kind of thing. But the whole, it just the whole, from early in the season, the whole thing, this just reeked of, we don't want you here. You know, like, you're yeah. not, and, 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 it, and that's fine if there's, like, a plethora of phenomenal coaches out there. But I just, I mean, what are they, what are they going to, you know, what are they going to bring in Mark Jackson? I mean, what, what, what is the, what's the game plan, you know, for, you know, <laughs> you, you have it. And, and don't get me, now, I'm not like you in the sense, like, I think that Mark Jackson deserves another shot. You know, I, I think that. Oh, I think he deserves another shot. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, but get it, get it, but, but like, what's your, you know, is it just to please LeBron? Is it, I mean, like, what, what's your, what's your deal? What are you doing? Like, why are you not? Well, that's what this reeks of. Let's get to, I mean, we're going to get out of here, but like, that's what this is all about. Like, there are forces at play that are, you know, when you get the dreaded vote of confidence, you know, when articles start coming out about that stuff, like, you're almost guaranteed there's a lot of pressure on you to, to get out, you know, and yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Le- LeBron, Team LeBron, you know, whoever they might be trying to recruit. I mean, they might they they start the they they pick their coaches at this at some level, and you know, you saw it with uh, David Blatt was not the guy. He was no. gone. You know, <laughs> Ty Lue, step on up. You know, win yourself a championship. Um, yeah. We'll see how that all plays out. Hey, Cause, good to talk with you, yeah. man. I hope it's all been well for you has been well it has been good nice nice well uh you can follow us online at hoop-ball.com and also on twitter twitter.com slash koz you show where we have not tweeted for 731 days and on facebook.com that, that's causes purview facebook.com slash koz you show another one is in the books peace 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 You are listening to the Cause and Brew Show.